The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. Joining me now to discuss this ongoing controversy happening with podcaster Andrew Tate, who, if you've never heard of him, you're going to know by the end of this conversation who the heck we are talking about. BuzzFeed News reporter Ade Onibada is here. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Zerlina. Um, who is Andrew Tate? Who who's this person <laughs> and why do I need to know? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess Andrew Tate is just one of many. Um, mm. He's gotten super popular recently uh, because of a lot of viral success on social media. His background is he is that he's a British American kickboxer turned influencer. Um, and his whole big thing really, or how he markets it is like bettering men. Um, but it pretty much comes at the expense of women. Um, a lot of his content that has gone viral is deeply homophobic, misogynistic and offensive. Um, and as a result of that, he's now been removed from several social media platforms because ultimately it's a lot of dangerous rhetoric that's going around. So give us an example of, of that rhetoric. I mean, and, and how many followers does he have? I mean, is this a, someone that his posts are going viral a lot and they're being reshared and this misogynistic uh, rhetoric is, you know, all over the internet? Is it that kind of thing that's happening? Yeah. So it's, to give you some context, Andrew Tate in numbers at the time that he was removed from Instagram, for instance, he had 4.6 million followers. And those are numbers that, you know, some ma massive brands could only dream of. So that definitely puts him in influencer territory. Um, Two million of those followers, literally he acquired in the last 30 days, just to give you an idea of the trajectory at how popular he's gotten across TikTok, for instance, um, videos with his name hashtagged on it uh, have accumulated they've acquired about over 12 billion views um he did have about three youtube channels which had a combined following of 1 million subscribers so we're in the millions and the billions when we talk about andrew tate that goes for following and views so there's no doubt that it's very it's it's spreading um it's got views there is interest and there are people who you know he's got stands he's got people that follow and pretty much worship the the things that he says which includes describing women as property um he's previously said that women have had, should take some sort of accountability if they've been trigger warning you know sexually assaulted um he's spoken about you know how he possesses some ownership if his if the woman that he was with um made an OnlyFans account who would expect to get a cut of the money that she makes, um, dating younger women and how, you know, they're much more easy to manipulate. It's basically like this kind of like alpha male, hyper-masculine um, mm -hmm. rhetoric that, that that's all about how to subjugate women and how to pretty much, you know, live this lifestyle that isn't true. Like it, it, it's an absolute fallacy. And we see that in the numbers because we're increasingly, we're being reminded now that a lot of men are lonely. I don't know if you've seen mm. recent reports yep. about male loneliness and I how much space they take up. Here. 
of course of course and it can't be separated from each other yeah and it, it so this is a really fascinating conversation and i'm glad that we have you today because i had been following and so full disclosure i at the beginning of 2022 i deleted instagram from my phone i deleted twitter from my phone i have tiktok but i don't even post and i sometimes just look like and then i'm like i need to put my phone down um and i did all of this for my own personal mental health um but also um i think that i've been sort of seeing when i go on tiktok um a conversation i think it started the beginning of last week and you just mentioned the men uh the the loneliness piece because i think it was psychology today had a piece about how and and data sort of to back this up about mental health and men and how men are lonelier than ever and there was a black therapist a woman a black woman therapist who came on to tiktok and was like you know go to therapy (laughs) basically Mm. the black men um yeah and subsequently the backlash to her posts basically calling black men out in colorful language i should add um, yes. And in a very entertaining fashion, um, she was attacked online to the point where people were so upset they got her fired from her job. That's yeah, that's, like, that's how that story sort of ended. And, you know, I, I feel like that's something that's happening right now. This pandemic has exposed a lot of things. And one of the things mm-hmm. is that men are very lonely and, and emotionally, some of them are emotionally stunted because they, because of masculinity and the way that mm-hmm. we acculturate them they don't have the capacity to like express their full spectrum of emotions they have anger they have rage um and and, and they internalize that and like push it in and then they're all depressed and sad and that's what these stats are sort of backing up some of yeah. these dynamics when you think about all of this happening all of that to say when you think about all of this context that's happening online you know what what are you seeing in terms of the audience that's attracted to someone like Andrew Tate, is it the lonely guy? Is it the lonely men? Or is, is, and, and, and is he tapping into that with like an awareness of, of who his audience is? Is that sort of his style? I mean, obviously I haven't, I've only seen like maybe one or two videos. I'm not like going to look for the stuff, but um, Mm. I get the sense that people like him, people that like Joe Rogan, people with big, big audiences, they kind of know who their people are. Do you get the yeah. sense that he knows that these men are out here and lonely, but also really, really angry because they don't have any other emotion they're able, capable of expressing? Um, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that he actually understands that how emotionally fragile a lot of the a lot of his male audience are, and ultimately, I'd probably say his male audience exists on a spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking from really young, impressionable men who are kind of developing their ideas about masculinity and what it means to be a man, all the way to older men who maybe are have been lonely for a long time for various reasons, whether it's economically or socially, have been priced out or haven't been able to really advance in the dating space. So maybe if you are a 48 year old man who's never been married before or never had a real relationship um, and ultimately now you're looking for somebody to blame as to why those are your circumstances this type of content and Andrew Tate isn't alone in this he's not the first man to get on this internet and make that kind of content and grow a platform off the back of it there are several 
there are several podcasts who do it. There are several um, figures who do it. And, and, and it's a growing space. I definitely say that these men are gravitating towards because ultimately it gives them someone to blame and it almost shifts accountability from themselves. And I think it relates to that point that you made about that therapist, the black therapist who got on TikTok. And, you know, like you said, in a very colorful way, you know, the message was valid and maybe the delivery was the issue that a lot of people had mm -hmm. took issue with. Um, this kind of content appeals to that audience where you don't have to take any sort of accountability for why you are the way that you are. And it's much easier to blame women for that. And what it does is manifest itself. And we're getting like floods of responses. We put a call out for a story that I'm working on, basically mm -hmm. asking how has the likes of Andrew Tate and other male influencers in this space influenced the men in your lives? And we're getting responses from teachers, um, mm. workers talking about their male employees in the, um, in the classroom teachers are saying you know young men don't respect them as women as teachers and they see how they treat the other girls in their classrooms um, big sisters talking about the things that they see in their younger brothers mm. girlfriends talking about the things that they see in their boyfriends women talking about um, married women talking about the things that they're seeing in their husbands you know this thing has a this has a ripple effect that is kind of like tearing through society which is why it is serious and when people do ask for accountability from social media platforms there's a reason it isn't just because we don't like this stuff on our timelines no it's because it has real real world ramifications it's a really important point and that's actually one of uh, my next questions which is why was he specifically banned what was um in the content that um triggered for lack of a better term, the ban um, mm. uh, from these platforms. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of offensive content. There's Nazis on most of these platforms. You know, there's obviously a robust debate going on about free speech, quote unquote. Um, mm. But why was Andrew Tate banned? What did he do specifically where these social media platforms were like, OK, enough? I mean, well, most platforms won't give definitive answers because it, it it now creates a slippery slope like you mm. said these some of these platforms have nazis um you have right-wing extremism you have islamophobes you have homophobes every kind of phobe you can find on pretty much every single platform um in the case of facebook when we approached them in essence he came under a category of basically being a dangerous individual but if it's to now start pulling apart his individual content and see which one specifically violates what terms i think we'll find difficulty in really nailing that down and i don't think any platform will really like say that's the thing or that, that that's the one individual thing. Um, Cause like I said, I think it presents a slippery slope and a further debate with who is still allowed to stay on the platform. But I think um, there was a viral Instagram post that I think really well, um, I can't remember the creator's name. I think it's Matt Bernstein, um, I double check. But that kind of culminated and put together in clarity, you know, exactly who Andrew Tate is. Cause I think if you exist in like really cute, soft spaces on the internet it's very easy to avoid Andrew Tate's mm -hmm. content um but if you're like in the chaos sides which I seem to find myself on um frequently <laughs> even um like even if you don't want to this stuff does the numbers and ultimately ends up on your explore page your for you page somebody retweets it someone reshares it and you know all it takes is one snappy talking point 30 seconds and damage is already done um and that travels all throughout every corner of the internet and i think that viral post that kind of called out 
um Andrew Tate and put all the, and, and neatly succinctly put into context all of the things that he had been guilty of was kind of like the catalyst to where that's put us where we're at now where now pretty much every platform seems to be re reacting to this and he's somewhat of like I don't want to call him sacrificial lamb of sorts but it, it, it he is the poster boy for this at this moment in time but you know, as one gone, another one will be born. Like we remove Andrew Tate and somebody else is just going to rise into mm -hmm. that position, I think is what the what the ongoing issue is. And if you speak to digital activists, they'll tell you the same thing. Like he's not the first and he won't be the last. I mean, it's such an important point that he's not the first because I think people need to understand that like there are black, there are black men that do this um, on the internet and they have these podcasts and they, you know, previously probably had like YouTube shows or whatever, um, and like maybe they were on Black Planet before that. I don't know. But um, there's all all different um, iterations of this same sort of misogynist that comes on online um, to talk smack uh, about women. Um, mm. And it, the, the one thing that you said in the beginning of our conversation that stuck out to me is that he talks about women as if they're property. That feels like actually more extreme than than even some of the other misogynists that are online um does he even get called out within sort of like among sort of the i don't know i guess circle of misogynistic podcasters um he seems even extreme given what i you know my familiarity with even some of the other ones I mean, it's it, it, he's definitely um, doesn't hold back as far as the things that he says and doesn't uh, probably is more extreme. It's quite interesting to see that ecosystem now kind of like turn Andrew Tate into the bad guy in the sense that mm. the bar is so lo low that even the worst offenders in the past can turn around and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as Andrew Tate. And it's like, yeah, buddy, but you've got several accusations against mm -hmm. you of like, you know, SA and, you know, violence against women and misogyny like but now Andrew Tate seems to be the person that a lot of them can shield themselves behind because they can argue and say yeah but we're not bad, as bad as this guy um which is, is dire which really tells us how bad things are right now as far as like in in the digital space and in the real world yeah I mean the the, the threat of real world violence I mean I don't think anybody post American insurrection can say that you know what happens online is just online um mm. that's just not true any longer i mean that i don't know if that was ever true but it's definitely not true now we know that what's happening online has a direct impact to what we have happen in the real world um we've lived through that already um are there any examples or you know in your reporting obviously i know it's still ongoing and so i want updates uh, as you go through <laughs> this reporting um but is there any evidence like you know, one of his listeners or somebody that was a fan of him have committed acts of real violence? Like, is there any reporting out there that, um, or stories, I'm sure that probably reported in like local news, like a domestic incident, but then you find out like the guy was a huge fan of somebody, um, where the real world violence has happened as a result of, you know, somebody who was obsessed with one of these alpha male podcasts. Um, I'm going to say no. And you know, terrifyingly, I, I think I'm going to also add an addendum that is not yet. Like, mm. not to say that I think this is an inevitability, but I do think we are headed for a, a pretty dire time. And, and I don't want to sound alarmist or extremist in saying that, but I do think this is just the, the 
the tipping point or we're just at the edge of, we're going to start to, I do think we're going to start to see waves and patterns of bad behavior or just violent behavior. Again, where teachers are writing to us saying that they're already seeing it in the classrooms. And this is the kind of content that they need to be alert for that their male students are um, watching. And I, I think there was a thread, a viral thread on Twitter in terms of like a teacher pretty much witnessing some of her male students being physically like aggressive towards being more aggressive than usual to the girls in their class. So I do think that the ramifications are still to come. I don't think this is an open and closed situation. And I think there's definitely gonna be more conversations about just this entire genre, because I, I consider it a genre of content now, like you said, you know, there's the, we have podcasts that came before that Andrew Tate has gotten quite popular from being a guest on because their values align, the, 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 the principles align. Um, and that, if anything, I think they're probably a little bit jealous that Andrew Tate's getting all the attention, but also mm. it gives them a covering to kind of do what they're doing. But they're going to carry on operating and carry on putting out content. And, you know, and, and young, impressionable men who are trying to kind of establish what it means to be a man are taking their cues from this. And a big feature of that is the subjugation of women um by any means necessary almost so i do think we, we are going to start to see this and i think where young men are concerned we're going to start seeing it in the classrooms first and foremost and on college campuses as well okay so that's when i get scared because i already know what college campuses are like because exactly. as a as a as a writer who um you know focuses on the space pre pre-pandemic one of my main keynote speeches is about rape culture and i would give that at college on college campuses to athletic teams and fraternities and mm. all kinds of organizations. And so I, I'm, I'm fully aware of what it was, what it is like currently and how much worse it could get and this, the impact it could really have. When you think about sort of the universe of podcasts, is there any counter to an Andrew Tate? And what I mean by that is on the spectrum, obviously he's on the misogyny side, but like, are there intersectional feminists, hosts that are as pop is there anybody as popular that has a counter message that has a counter message to andrew tate um i mean i think there were several podcasts that really are just about like if, if you want to talk like sex and empowerment because a big feature of like that kind of tate rhetoric as well is also a lot of slut shaming mm. um there are some really great podcasts that are really sex positive um mm -hmm. that i think would um that if you're into sex, definitely give them a listen. I can't think of any of them off the top of my head right now. But yeah, I think that that's the space where I would probably recommend that if you're looking for something like a counter messaging, go down that route. Like sex positive podcasts, especially if you're shy about sex. Um, well, you, I mean, you... I think that a lot of us probably are because we grow up in patriarchy. I mean, I think like yeah. the, the, the problem you know, I, I'm sort of seeing how this can metastasize into a bigger problem because I feel like before Donald Trump, and I'm not blaming everything on Donald Trump because, like, he didn't create misogyny. He just sort of um, was a mirror <laughs> and a manifestation mm. um, of a lot of it that, of, of a lot of the ways that many men are acculturated. I mean, he embodies so many of the things that we're talking about. So that's why I bring him up. But it feels like he gave a permission structure for men to be, like, more awful and be louder about it. Like men were misogynists in the locker room, which is why that locker room talk moment in the 2016 election was I still think about it because mm. the reason why that argument worked, the reason why he could come out in a presidential debate in front of the first woman candidate 
nominee and say, well, it's just locker room talk. And everybody was like, yeah, it's locker room talk. It's because men do talk like that amongst themselves, which is like what these podcasts, that's the space they're sort of creating is a space for men to just be dicks and like nobody's going to call them out about it. Um, But when you think about the ways in which, you know, our political conversations have created a permission structure for people like Andrew Tate to exist proudly, you know, is that is there a way to stop that trend? I mean, is there a way to turn turn us backwards, turn turn ourselves around <laughs> so that we don't go down this? Because as you said, this is going to get dark real quick. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm in a weird section in that space of like part of me, not even that I find it refreshing. There is an element of me that is relieved that I wasn't that that I'm not crazy. The mm. things that you saw men talk about in the locker room and that they're now saying publicly verifies that, if that yep. makes sense. And, yep. and this isn't to cast an oversight on all men. And it's even frustrating that in these conversations, you have to quantify and say, not all men. Um, but for the most part, until men join the debate, and this is a very like cis heteronormative conversation, I can acknowledge yep. that. Like until men take participate in shutting that down, yes, you know, there's always going to be a continuation of this, whether it's in the public or in the private life, or it, it, there's always going to be some form of this, some version of this. And I think it really, there is a need for a lot of counter programming um, as far as like, but and, and th- we're talking about <laughs> taking on patriarchy here. Like it was, it's never going to be simple. It's never going to be quick and it's never going to be clean. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think to some degree, I am a bit relieved Um that they are just saying it out in the open so we know exactly where people stand um, rather than behind closed doors and we're thinking that's where they're at. Now we know for certain what some of these men are boldly proclaiming and nobody can go in with their eyes closed anymore, I think, when dealing with men. Like, uh, off, totally off topic to some degree, but it's like, I'll scroll through like a dating app and mm. the moment you have an a, a Kevin Samuels quote or an and I know instinctive we are not going to get along like yep. you are not for me and but I'm happy because we've just saved ourselves three cocktails and an evening of dull conversation like we've gotten that out the way um and and that and it is even on dating apps you will see stuff like that more and more men you know kind of stating that these are their idea ideas and principles where it comes to dating and it's a great way to whittle them out i say i i well i'm just impressed you're on dating apps um we could talk about that i'm not anymore yeah uh, yeah i'm just like first of all like okay so i'm a 40 year old single woman um who is i was just thinking about this last night i was like do I wish a kid was here? Absolutely not. Do I wish a husband was here? Absolutely not. I was literally sitting there chilling. I was having the best time. I was like drinking a glass of wine. And I was like, this is actually a whole vibe. And I'm really enjoying myself. Um, you know, and I, and I was just like, you know, do I wish it could be different? Like, no, actually, in this moment, I was like, no, actually, this is great. I made my the right choices in my life for myself. Mm. Um, yeah. That's what we're all trying to do. I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting how this this whole thing metastasized and blew up and even to the point where me who has deleted social media was aware that this was happening i was aware about um last week the psychology today 
thing blowing up on my timeline because that actually navigated over to Twitter. Like that originated on TikTok and then it black Twitter yeah. went crazy yeah, over yeah, it. And yeah. I was like, what is happening? And then she got fired and I was like, all right, I just like I I'm going to put this phone down because this is what this kind of mm-hmm. stuff that makes me um gives me high blood pressure and we are trying to keep it nice and even. Um, I have so so this was a terrific conversation. I would love to have you back when you do get the reporting because I, I see the call out that you did for people and, and talking about how these influencers impacted them in their real lives and the men that they know. And so I would love mm-hmm. to have you back as a follow up when you post that piece and have that reporting because I think this is an issue that we need to pay attention to. We can't be surprised. Like when the people attacked the Capitol, the insurrection, I don't know about you, but I wasn't surprised. They were like, we're going to storm the Capitol. So (laughs) I was like, they're going to go storm the Capitol. There they go. And then Donald Trump tried to drive himself, allegedly. So (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, according to Cassidy Hutchinson, I'm just citing the source. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) there's certain times where stuff is predictable and, and we have to be prepared. For, for, yeah. for that for that inevitability that we hope doesn't happen but probably will um, mm. and it's important to just have all of this knowledge so thank you so much for being here this morning Ade Onen- thank you for Onibaba. having me it was Ade excuse me um, thank no you worries. again and it was it's just a really really important conversation it's totally up my alley um, really really important please stay thank safe thank you guys so much for having me yep you too Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.